21.12. Let's, do we have time for an ad break, Finney? Phineas, do we have time for an ad break? Or do we go straight into the conversation? Okay, we get straight into the conversation with Mr. Jamal Sahib, who and I have actually been in conversation throughout the program. We didn't realize that time had already elapsed as fast as it had and the song was over. Anyway, entrepreneur and business coach Jamal Sahib has just published his book, Start With The End In Mind, The Five Secrets Of Life And Business Success. Start With The End In Mind takes readers on a journey of discovery into themselves, the people around them, and the mindset they bring to succeeding in life and business. Using real-life coaching examples, coupled with the latest coaching techniques and insights, it is a book that will help you, hopefully, strip out imposed ways of thinking, enable you to crystallize your ambitions, and deepen your understanding of self, of what you want, and the surroundings of what it is that you want to achieve. We will also engage him on the prevalence of entrepreneurs authorizing authoring books on business and life. Much to say, hashtag business on Wednesday. The young people, the entrepreneurs, those who have reduced their thoughts to paper and don't know where to go. Those who have reduced their thoughts to paper have submitted but have been turned down. Those who were given the capital but before long, that capital ran out. And now, if you like, they've created a dead end with that funder or grant giver. What then? Still, your business idea lives in your head. And for so long as it hasn't manifested or materialized the way that you'd want, you probably are still burning. So what are the five secrets to life and business success? Starting with the end in mind. Good evening to you, Mr. Jamal Sahib. Good evening, Sungezo, and good evening to your listeners. Promises to be a fascinating insight, so without much ado, tell us about your book, tell us about your personal journey and the discoveries of yourself so that you can engage people into the discovery of themselves. And a brief, brief background, please, about you. Cool. So I'll probably start with the story that goes, I'm actually a reformed engineer. I started my career actually in, in mining in South Africa. Worked in smelting and mining after I graduated as an engineer from uh, the University of Pretoria in the early, well, in the 2000s. Worked in the mining space for a number of years, mining and smelting, Mm. and became a Mr. Fixit of a business unit or various business units. But having grown up in a family of entrepreneurs, I always had this, this thing in me that wanted to actually be able to create value and you know being of Indian heritage um, I have this thing that actually makes me want to sell stuff so that took me out of the the mining space in the middle of an MBA because I realized then that I had the ability to create jobs in South Africa through an entrepreneurial space which was a far greater calling for me at the time. So I left the corporate mining as a, as a senior manager in the, in the mining space in my early 30s and uh, became an entrepreneur. And becoming an entrepreneur allowed me to create jobs, which was my why. So Simon Sinek often speaks of start with the why. You need to understand your why in order for something to be sustainable for you to be really passionate about what you're doing. And my why was that I'm truly passionate about South Africa. I, I absolutely love this country. I choose to live in this country. I don't choose to live anywhere else in the world. 
But there are two things that scared the hell out of me about being in South Africa. The one was the high crime rate. And the other one was the high accident and death rate on our roads in this country. Mm. So being an engineer, I start with the end in mind. And my mind automatically goes into process. So I look for three, four, five, seven steps for anything or most things. And having spent time in mining, I learned that you need to understand the end in mind and what you'd like to achieve. Then you would need to look at what are those things that you need to do in order to be able to achieve that end in mind. And the third step would then become what could possibly go wrong and how can I mitigate for those? So for me, being able to live in South Africa, which is actually the place that I love because I'm nostalgic by nature. So when I go to the Drakensberg and I hear a certain bird in the Drakensberg, it reminds me of the days when I was a kid and my dad took me to the Drakensberg for a day. Yeah. So I decided, well, I can make a difference by, be, by creating jobs. And if I create, well, not if, when I create jobs, we reduce unemployment. And when we reduce unemployment, it has an impact on reducing crime. Because crime is linked to the high unemployment rate in this country. And crime is also linked to the high Gini coefficient in this country, which is the massive divide between rich and poor. So I decided that I could play a role in whatever small way or form, whether I created one job or a hundred jobs, I would be contributing to this country by reducing unemployment and thereby reducing the crime rate in this country that I absolutely love. And that's my value add. So I moved into the entrepreneurial space and became an entrepreneur, started to create jobs, and then realized that… You started to create jobs, moving into the entrepreneurial space. What were you doing? Oh, so I actually bought over a, a small hardware store, hardware slash DIY store, and turned it around and grew it. And through that process, created 30 jobs in the period of 12 months. I also opened a franchise courier postal outlet store. Uh, my wife and I together opened and ran a, a guest house. So we run a guest house in, in South Africa. Uh, I now run three hardware stores and we also run a, an LPG uh, gas delivery company. We about two Wholesale to retail, LPG. No. LPG, retail to customer. Okay. So we B2C. So we sure. B2C in all of those spaces. Sure. Uh, we also uh, started a home maintenance company 35 months ago. And in that time, we have painted 230 houses in 35 months. So in the process, in the last two and a half, just under three years, we've created 60 permanent jobs. But one year in, I realized that my direct impact would have a certain trajectory from a being able to create jobs perspective. Mm. But I also realized that there were many business owners out there that if coached could become a, be a better version of themselves and grow their businesses as well. And if I worked with business owners and mm. they grew their existing businesses yeah. and instead of actually reducing uh, the size of the businesses and retrenching people, if I helped them focus and looked at stuff through different eyes, they would grow their businesses and they would create more employment. 
And that would have an exponential impact. So I then went the route of becoming a business coach and a business consultant. Mm. So now I spend about 40% of my time focusing on my own businesses that are B2C, business to customer, in the retail space. And I spend 60% of my time on my business coaching, business consulting practice, where I coach business owners to grow their businesses. And the impact has been phenomenal. There, there are a number of businesses that I've come across that run really good revenue numbers, but they actually got to that space over time, and simple systems that could be implemented actually are not in place. So as I move in and start working with the business owner, I realize that the business owner is often fatigued. Uh, the term in entrepreneurship is actually called burnout. Mm. So often business owners over a period of 5, 10, 15, 20 years get to a point where they grow their businesses, but they grow their businesses around themselves because they've never been taught how to implement systems. So or I've to been delegate. Or to delegate. Correct. Because it starts as a one-man business and they blink twice and five years later they have 50 employees and they're trying to manage 50 employees. And that's not sustainable. And all that institutional memory, if this institution, this individual is gone – the business follows 100 percent, but well that and also the fact that the human has so much of capacity so i call it mind space you have so much of mind space as a human so when your business starts you have one two eventually three four and five people reporting to you and you have so many tasks that need to be managed as the business grows you get to 40 50 100 employees if you have not systematized the business then you use all of your mind space or mental capacity to run that business because there are no systems. And it's only a matter of time. It's a matter of time and you burn out. So you'll often find business owners that say, you know, I've had enough of this. Uh, I'm tired of this. We're going to engage you. The number 011-482-1510. These are his business interests and you will engage me more if I have missed out. LPG, B2C, hardware store. Started off with one, now sitting at three. Courier company, guest house, you and the wife, house maintenance, over my house maintenance company, over 230 houses painted, all in the space of more or less two and a half to three years. We're in conversation with Mr. Jamal Saheb, entrepreneur, business coach, and author. These businesses can only amount and do only amount to 40% of his time. At its core, his time is spent in business coaching and consultation. I suppose the next question is, what is your question? Are you in the LPG space? Are you in the retail of hardware? Are you in the transportation business, particularly with courier? Are you in the hospitality industry in the advent of Airbnb and how it has allowed you to make ends meet better? Or are you struggling because you're in the traditional hospitality industry? Home maintenance. Did you try it? Did it fail? Well, you've got about 23 minutes to tap into his 60% of his time. Business coaching and consultation. Here we have Mr. Jamal Sahib, who has authored the book, Start with the End in Mind, The Five Secrets to Life and Business Success. The number again, 11 482 1510 or 9216 at the end. Let's go back to where it all started. The decision to leave formal employment, routine, certainty of salary, and the stability all of that creates. You left, and you left your studies even in the middle. No, no. I, you completed it, your MBA? I did. So it was in the middle of studies that I actually left my corporate job. I see. 
There are many South Africans who find themselves at that point, but haven't done what you have. Studying, because it's going to obviously change the bracket in which they are earning, hopefully a managerial position as well or something to that effect. But they're passing time. They're not really there because they want to be there. They are there because I suppose they can be there and they're sufficiently good at it. But their passion lies elsewhere. And the decision to leave is daunting, especially in a shrinking economy. Yeah. What does one do? There's a baby on the way. There's a wife. There's a comfort of having a home and a bond coming out at the end of the month and whatever expectations you have of yourself or society has of you, not least in your immediate family. This is inundating. So when I had this light bulb moment and decided to leave corporate, and I worked for one of the largest multinationals in the country at the time, I had a phenomenal career, an absolutely phenomenal career. And when I Australia or London? Yeah, it would have gone to Australia. I mean, <laughs> the, the company actually was BHP Bulletin back then, mm-hmm. and uh, I was also one of the the youngest mine managers, you know, at the time in my early thirties. Yes. So, at that time, for me, I always say you should never be pushed. You you should never be pushed or run from something. If it's a pull toward something, that's that's always, uh, you know, it, or it, it 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 results in a better outcome. So for me, at that point, I was I wasn't being pushed. I was being pulled. I was being pulled towards something bigger, because I realized that at that time that. When you live your life and you really understand what success looks like for you, you can then build a map towards that success for yourself. So growing up, you know, we were taught get a good job, you know, grow, grow in a corporate, earn a good salary, have a pension, etc., etc. That's the way to go. But as I got higher in corporate, became a mind manager, got the fancy office, got the fancy parking. I realized it didn't feel the way I thought it would feel. So everybody on the outside was like, hey, well done. And on the inside, I'm sitting and I'm like, is this it? Is, is this it? Is this how I'm going to feel? Or shouldn't there be something more? That's when I stopped and said, well, success for me is actually something else. And I then defined what that was for me. So for me, money is an enabler. For me, I've stopped looking at money and, and measuring money as a measure for success. Money is a tool. It's an enabler that enables more opportunities for me to feel that sense of contentment. Let's go to Mr. Naya in Gauteng, who is our first caller this evening. Keep them coming, everybody. The number to dial is 0114821510 or 92.16 at the end. Business coach now, engage him, get his thoughts going. Mr. Jamal Saheb, entrepreneur, business coach and author. Good evening, Mr. Naya. Good evening, gentlemen. Indeed. Good evening to your listeners. Question time. Yes, please. Question time. You were so passionate and your guests were so passionate about South Africans and creating employment in South Africa. Mm. I'm a business owner and we are in the civil construction industry. Yes. The point of departure is this. Two years ago, we employed 150 employees. Today, we employ 20 employees. 
the reason for that is there is discrimination amongst the so-called B status, but forgetting the passion that we have for this country. Mm. I mean, I'm an Indian, a South African Indian, and my blood reads African. Yeah, yeah. How do we rectify that? How do we create more jobs if we don't have the opportunity that is not given to the companies to create that opportunity for other employees or other people in this country? How do we go forward? Mr. Nye, thank you very much. You've given me a topic for another day. The failures of the broad-based black economic empowerment system and those who are still kept on the margins of economic development. Thank you so much for your time. My guest has jotted down that question. We're going through to KGM, who is somewhere in the country. That's if that is true, because you just never know with KGM. My brother, good evening. Thank you so much. I've missed you. How are you? <laughs> good evening, Nye. Good evening to your guests and to the listeners. Good evening, who? Uh, 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 oh my goodness! <laughs> I beg your pardon. You started you started by by saying I could be somewhere in the country. You're making me sound like I'm I'm Corona. <laughs> Go for it, my brother. Thanks for calling. Okay. Yeah. No. Um. Nay. Oh, yes, oh, yo, my yo. Nay is talking about me. Songe. Yes, sir. Songe, so here, here's my point to your guest. I, I, I've just been calculating. I'm 30, 38 years in business, and the fulfilment has never been greater when I, I share, when I help, when I, I contribute, when, when mostly when I share. Let me just leave it at that. Mm. I, I think, I believe. And I'm putting this to your guest. Sure. Um, entrepreneurship, business, capitalism, whatever you want to call the system, can never be beneficial until and unless it talks to the socioeconomic conditions of the country. Now, without being long, if I employ, like the, the previous caller, used to employ 100, now I'm employing 20. The barometer, shouldn't the barometer be how many of the hundreds have I converted into my partners? As opposed to me be the one who has it all at the expense of the so-called employees. We cannot keep on saying we are helping by saying we're creating jobs. Jobs are nothing but the enslavement of the today. What, what is your guest take in as far as sharing the resources, sharing the wealth, not talking after so many years and say, I have employees? Shouldn't we be converting each other into partners? For sure. Songezo? Indeed. My apologies. You're no not worries. Mine. No worries. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you so much, KGM, calling us from somewhere in the borders of the Republic. Let's go to Ndate Mashele or Me Mashele. Good evening. Good evening, Ndate Mashele. Thank you, Dad. Sorry, so sorry, 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 sorry. Baba Wam. Glory. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Your question to Mr. Sahib. Hey, my brother. Uh, I sent uh, an SMS that summer by Mama Miriam Makeba. I was dancing here. I was sounding myself, you know. Mm. You reminded me. You were taking me back to somewhere. 
somewhere. Yes, and I sent an SMS. I said, Songezo, obrigado por esse, por esse samba. And then in English I wrote, thanks, uh, thanks for that samba from Michelle. Pleasure. Pleasure, sir. Pleasure indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. We and so, appreciate uh, your back to the, you know, uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal Bai, Vanekom, uh, or Salam Alekum. Salam, Tata. Yeah, you've put on the charm this evening, all right, eh? Yo. Salam, Tata. Alleluia. Very briefly, Ndate uh, Mashele. Hello. Very briefly, your question, comment, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, briefly is that, uh, you know, the problem of, in fact, God bless you for uh, creating uh, businesses. However, means you who might get business passionately because maybe being your career, but Mashele here comes and then create business to exploit people and then to enrich oneself and they're not caring about about others and then when being rich then uh using that to corrupt others uh, the politicians and so on and, co- and cause chaos so wh- what i mean is business for the meantime and the of the jungle survival of the fittest is not a business it's busy mess that's why even this so-called democracy is demon crazy we had aspirants to democracy due to our nature for the meantime our, uh, we are in the course of history, the state of evolution, but very far to, uh, to evolution. We are getting there step by step. That's why now we are in Corona in this situation because of what, what we are. Uh, but we don't have to blame on our, ourselves. We've got to go on. So as Mr. Nye also was saying, what can we do uh, you know, to create more jobs? Because there is also red tape from government, this and that. But also we don't have to blame government much. There that Mashele is gone, unfortunately. I was enjoying what he was trying to get at. Ultimately, he was unable to complete his contribution. Let's go to Matladze at the same place in Kharangua. Good evening, Matladze. Hi, Songezo. How are you? Well, sir, how are you? I'm great. It's mm-hmm. actually Matladze from Beggarsford. From Beggarsford. I beg your yeah. pardon. It says here on Not my screen, Kharangua. I beg your Not pardon for that. Not a problem. And hi to your, to your guests and hi to your listeners. Go for it, bro. Hello? Go for it. Yes. Can I please talk to your, to your he's, guest? He's listening. Good just, evening, Mr. Latze. Go for it. Evening, evening. How are you, man? All good, man. I'm great. You're actually talking to a vet graduate. Um, yeah, so I'm a first-time caller. Oh, nice. I just thought I'd call and talk to a, to a minor. How are you doing, minor? <laughs> <laughs> a, a reformed engineer, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. An ex-minor. <laughs> I'm actually an ex-minor too, a reformed minor. Ah, oh, excellent, excellent. My last say. position was with Accenture. I was a manager there. Ah, nice. And management consultant. I, yes, management consultant. I was actually manager in the capital projects division. You know the old joke they say about management consultants? <laughs> what do they say? They say the management consultant asks you for your watch so he can tell you the time. Exactly. Actually, <laughs> I had a six-month at Ekuruleni Metropolitan uh, as, as, a, as, a, as an employee at Accenture. I think that, that six months that I spent there, I think that's the one that told me that, yeah, I had to go and help South Africa. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I think I'll be adding your book onto the list of books that I've, I've read so far in my journey. 
that would be brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. Matlatsa calling us from Beggersford Management <laughs> Consultant who borrows people's watches to tell them their time. <laughs> Back to you, my brother, Jamal Sahib, entrepreneur, business coach and author. Mr. Naya spoke about how his business has just taken a serious hit and he attributes a lot of that to the fact that the red tape in government and the misappropriation or misimplementation of triple BEE has got a strong effect on that. KGM, the role of business partnerships as opposed to creating employees which in his views is the creation of slavery or enslavement and Dadem Mashele also somewhat corroborating what KGM was saying and um, the problems that the country generally is experiencing Mashlantse just pretty much having a bromance with you let's talk to Mr. Naya and Mr. KGM all right let's start with uh, Mr. Naya's question around uh, you know red tape and the fact that his business that employed about 150 people a couple of years back with about 20 employees now. So my view on this is that it is the responsibility of government to create an environment for entrepreneurs to create jobs. It's actually not the responsibility of government to create jobs because entrepreneurs are people that create something out of nothing and through that process generate money. So. Yes. Currently, there are significant challenges from a red tape perspective and the environment in which we find ourselves. The reality is we as entrepreneurs can influence that change, but that takes time and it takes effort and it takes years. So it is our responsibility to always get involved in scenarios where we can influence that change so that the change happens for the better. But whilst we are doing that, and that takes a long time, whilst we are doing that as entrepreneurs, we need to find ways to add value in whatever we do, because that's actually what an entrepreneur does. So as an environment changes, we need to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for, agile enough to actually change within an environment to continue to create jobs, to create product from nothing and to to generate revenue and obviously profit so that the business is sustainable. So to Mr. Naya, the long and the short of it is that every country has red tape. Every country has their challenges, some more than, than others. The reality is as entrepreneurs, we need to find ways to add value through the red tape in the short term. And in the long term, it is our responsibility to influence the change so that we can get governments as well as people around us to understand the role that entrepreneurs play and the red tape, how it it, it affects or restricts that. To uh, KGM. KGM, so I firmly believe that there, there, there is this thing that exists that calls skin in the game. And quite often you'll find that when people are are given grants without, you know, adding putting skin in the game, the probability of success of those businesses immediately immediately is lower. Because when you have skin in the game, you go above and beyond, and you do whatever you need to do, whether it's working 24 or 36 hours as an entrepreneur, but you'll make sure it works. And that's why, if you look quite often, if you go to the bank for funding, even if it's to buy a franchise business, the franchisor often requires that you put in 
a minimum amount of 30 or 40 or 50 percent sometimes of unencumbered cash. So on the one side, that's a massive challenge because as a startup entrepreneur, where are you supposed to mm. come up with 30, 40 or 50 percent cash? But on the flip side of it, and even when you have that cash as a small business, you probably want to be reinvesting in the business, so you can't just have cash lying around. Yeah, but when you do put that thirty or forty percent of your own unencumbered, hard-earned money into a startup franchise, you will do whatever it takes to make to sure it that sure. it it works. Because it's not just a bank loan that ah, you know, if it doesn't work, we liquidate. Because you also look, you're losing some of your hard-earned money, and sometimes it's the last. Personal it's the liability, yeah. Yeah. So from that perspective, yes, th- there's two parts to that conversation. The one is, uh, you know, creating slavery through, through, through growing companies, and I really don't believe in that. That is really not the way that businesses should be run. We should start our businesses with the end in mind. And the end in mind is an and conversation. How do we start businesses and grow them so that as businesses, we actually make a profit and we enrich the lives of people that are part of our businesses? At that point, sorry to interrupt you. Whilst you carry on, I do want you to infuse some of that with now the five secrets to life and business success as you talk about starting with the end in mind. Perfect. So that being said, I'll start to infuse the fifth secret because I need to start with the end in mind. And the first secret is understanding what success looks like. So the reality is if I start a business and I mean, Songezo, if you started a business now with mm. your end in mind being, I want to give away 50% of this or half my wealth in, in five years time, you're going to put less blood, sweat and tears into it if you're going to be giving it away to somebody who hasn't worked for it. Of course. But if you start with the end in mind that says, I'm going to grow this business over five years and I'm going to make a success of this business. And the reason most people should actually start businesses is so that we can grow them, add value, create employment, make a profit, and be able to sell this business. So you systematize it so that you can sell it. And then you can use the money that you make to actually do something else because money is an enabler. So if you started this business and you went blood, sweat, and tears for five years, and at the end of five years you could sell this business, you knew you'd be able to sell this business. And in the process, you created jobs and added value to people's lives. You don't need to actually give away 50% of your business at the end of five years to feel like you've added value. I will literally, you can come and meet some of my team. I have a team member that moved to Gauteng from KwaZulu-Natal. When we gave him a job, he was literally sleeping under a bridge. Literally sleeping under a bridge. He had no money for food. No place to stay. He was literally sleeping under a bridge with cardboard. There's no dignity in that, is there? And today he's been promoted twice in two years. He's an absolute gem of a guy. Employee of yours? Yeah. How long did he sleep under the bridge once he got his job? No, no. Immediately, once he got a job, we, we, we helped him up front to rent a space. And since then, he's moved again into a slightly better place that he lives in now. And... He's, <laughs> I smile because if you look at his appearance, how it's changed. I mean, he looks so much more fancy these days. And, you know, he has these fancy haircuts. And that's, rolling it. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's, the, that's the contentment that I chase. Those are the success stories that actually make, make me feel like I'm adding value. And it's an and conversation because. Sorry, you triggered something about this very story. 
There was once on social media a graduate in the financial services who was unemployed. I think he might have even been addicted to some substance which was not necessarily useful for him. Um, I, I, I can be very sure that it was liberty, and I apologize if I'm wrong, liberty that gave him a chance. But it wasn't long after that particular graduate, that employee, went back to the streets because I think what the challenge was, the adjustment. Yeah. How do we help without patronizing, but at the same time helping outside truly the nine to five? Because sometimes the challenge doesn't lie during the work hours. The challenge lies getting to work or getting home after work. Yeah, so I do speak about some of that in my book as well, because sometimes when you're rec recruiting for a position, um, sometimes people don't have a job, and there's a reason they don't have a job. So you recruit somebody and you realize, whoa, you know, this person comes with a lot of problems. Mm. So often you can pull them out of it by playing that supportive role, but that links back to your end in mind. So if your end in mind is just profit, then the probability that you'll go above and beyond and try and change that scenario is low. But other times you will go above and beyond because you want to add value and make a difference. And the reality is sometimes you just can't. People are so deep in stuff at times that you can't change that. You can't change that scenario from where you are because you need to impact so many lives. So coming back to uh, Mr. KGM, it's an and conversation. We want to grow businesses, and if they're profitable or when they're profitable, we can scale them and add value through creating jobs. Fantastic. Those are the words, wisdom, and experience of Mr. Jamal Sahib, entrepreneur, author of Start With End In Mind, The Five Secrets to Life and Business Success. It is a book, and of course, all this wisdom and counsel comes from the fact that he is an established business and life coach my brother thank you so much for your time on hashtag business on wednesday thanks for having me sungezo it's been an absolute privilege absolutely mine as well time for infogate kailish kumalo please listen